Episode 22, Chapter 9, The Dark Mark. Don't tell your mother you've been gambling, Mr. Weasley implored Fred and George as they all made their way slowly down the purple carpeted stairs. Don't worry, Dad, said Fred gleefully. We got big plans for this money. We don't want it confiscated. Mr. Weasley looked for a moment as though he was going to ask what these big plans were, but seemed to decide upon reflection that he didn't want to know. They were soon caught up in the crowds, now flooding out of the stadium and back to their campsites. Raucous singing was borne toward them on the night air as they retraced their steps along the lantern-lit path, and leprechauns kept shooting over their heads, cackling and waving their lanterns. When they finally reached the tents, nobody felt like sleeping at all, and given the level of noise around them, Mr. Weasley agreed that they could all have one last cup of cocoa together before turning in. They were soon arguing enjoyably about the match. Mr. Weasley got drawn into a disagreement about cobbing with Charlie, and it was only when Ginny fell asleep right at the tiny table and spilled hot chocolate all over the floor that Mr. Weasley called a halt to the verbal replays and insisted that everyone went to bed. Hermione and Ginny went into the next tent, and Harry and the rest of the Weasleys changed into pajamas and clambered into their bunks. From the other side of the campsite, they could still hear much singing, and the odd echoing bang. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not on duty, muttered Mr. Weasley sleepily. I wouldn't fancy having to go and tell the Irish they've got to stop celebrating. Harry who was on a top bunk above Ron, lay staring up at the canvas ceiling of the tent, watching the glow of an occasional leprechaun lantern flying overhead, and picturing again some of Crumb's more spectacular moves. He was itching to get back on his own firebolt and try out the Ronsky feint. Somehow, Oliver Wood had never managed to convey with all his wriggling diagrams what the move was supposed to look like. Harry saw himself in robes that had his name on the back and imagined the sensation of hearing a hundred thousand strong crowd roar as Ludo Bagman's voice echoed through the stadium, I give you Potter! Harry never knew whether he had actually dropped off to sleep or not. His fantasies of flying like crumb might well have slipped into actual dreams, all he knew was that, quite suddenly, Mr. Weasley was shouting, Get up! Ron! Harry, come on now, get up! This is urgent! Harry sat up quickly, and the top of his head hit canvas. What's the matter? he said. Dimly, he could tell that something was wrong. The noises in the campsite had changed. The singing had stopped. He could hear screams and the sound of people running. He slipped down from the bunk and reached for his clothes, but Mr. Weasley, who had pulled on his jeans over his own pajamas, said, No time, Harry. Just grab a jacket and get outside. Quickly! Harry did as he was told and hurried out of the tent, Ron at his heels. 
By the light of the few fires that were still burning, he could see people running away into the woods, fleeing something that was moving across the field toward them, something that was emitting odd flashes of light and noises like gunfire. Loud, jeering roars of laughter and drunken yells were drifting toward them. Then came a burst of strong green light which illuminated the scene. A crowd of wizards, tightly packed and moving together with wands pointed straight upwards, was marching slowly across the field. Harry squinted at them. They didn't seem to have faces. Then he realized that their heads were hooded and their faces masked. High above them, floating along in midair, four struggling figures were being contorted into grotesque shapes. It was as though the masked wizards on the ground were puppeteers and the people above them were marionettes, operated by invisible strings that rose from the wands into the air. Two of the figures were very small. More wizards were joining the marching group, laughing and pointing up at the floating bodies. Tents crumpled and fell as the marching crowd swelled. Once or twice, Harry saw one of the marchers blast a tent out of his way with his wand. Several caught fire. The screaming grew louder. The floating people were suddenly illuminated as they passed over a burning tent, and Harry recognized one of them, Mr. Rogers, the campsite manager. The other three looked as though they might be his wife and children. One of the marchers below flipped Mrs. Roberts upside down with his wand. Her nightdress fell down to reveal voluminous drawers. She struggled to cover herself up as the crowd below her screeched and hooted with glee. Ah, sick, Ron muttered, watching the smallest muggle child who had begun to spin like a top, sixty feet above the ground, his head flopping limply from side to side. That is really sick. Hermione and Ginny came hurrying toward them, pulling coats over their nightdresses, with Mr. Weasley right behind them. At the same moment, Bill, Charlie, and Percy emerged from the boys' tent, fully dressed, with their sleeves rolled up and their wands out. We're going to help the ministry, Mr. Weasley shouted over all the noise, rolling up his own sleeves. You lot, get into the woods and stick together. I'll come and fetch you when we've sorted this out. Bill... Charlie and Percy were already sprinting away toward the oncoming marchers. Mr. Weasley tore after them. Ministry wizards were dashing from every direction toward the source of the trouble. The crowd beneath the Roberts family was coming ever closer. Come on, said Fred, grabbing Ginny's hand and starting to pull her toward the wood. Harry, Ron, Hermione, and George followed. They all looked back as they reached the trees. The crowd beneath the Roberts family was larger than ever. They could see the ministry wizards trying to get through it to the hooded wizards in the center, but they were having great difficulty. It looked as though they were scared to perform any spell that might make the Roberts family fall. The colored lanterns that had lit the path to the stadium had been extinguished. 
Dark figures were blundering through the trees. Children were crying. Anxious shouts and panicked voices were reverberating around them in the cold night air. Harry felt himself being pushed hither and thither by people whose faces he could not see. Then he heard Ron yell with pain. What happened? said Hermione anxiously, stopping so abruptly that Harry walked into her. Ron, where are you? Oh, this is stupid. Lumos. She illuminated her wand and directed its narrow beam across the path. Ron was lying sprawled on the ground. Tripped over a tree root, he said angrily, getting to his feet again. Well, with feet that size, hard not to, said a drawling voice from behind them. Harry, Ron, and Hermione turned sharply. Draco Malfoy was standing alone nearby them, leaning against a tree, looking utterly relaxed. His arms folded. He seemed to have been watching the scene on the campsite through a gap in the trees. Ron told Malfoy to do something that Harry knew he would never have dared to say in front of Mrs. Weasley. Language, Weasley, said Malfoy, his pale eyes glittering. Hadn't you better hurry along now? You wouldn't like her spotted, would you? He nodded at Hermione. And at the same moment, a blast like a bomb sounded from the campsite, and a flash of green light momentarily lit the trees around them. What's that supposed to mean? said Hermione defiantly. Granger, they're after muggles, said Malfoy. Do you want to be showing off your knickers in midair? Because if you do, hang around. They're moving this way, and it would give us all a laugh.